Austin Independent School District, alongside schools around the world, had to pivot quickly to find new, innovative ways to engage students and support teachers in remote and hybrid environments following school closures due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode of Learning Accelerator's What Will We Take With Us Leadership Podcast Series, we're going to hear from a district leader at Austin ISD about what they tried, what they learned, and what they're taking forward as they head into the 2021-2022 school year. Dr. Suzanne Newell, and I'm the Director of Academics in Austin ISD. Austin Independent School District is an urban district in Austin, Texas, and is home to 113 schools, serving approximately 75,000 students. Roughly 55% of students are Latine, 30% White, 7% Black, and 4% Asian. Approximately 28% of their students are English language learners. Their mission as a district is to provide a comprehensive educational experience that is high quality, challenging, and inspires all students to make a positive contribution to society. As schools from all across the globe moved to remote teaching and learning almost overnight and in-person opportunities for instruction were put on hold, teachers and leaders at Austin ISD were encouraged to try new innovative practices that would allow for the quickest return to in-person teaching and learning. One such innovation involved reinventing instructional materials with the creation and implementation of blueprints. We're creating blend blueprints for every grade and course that we are pushing out to teachers' dashboards. So what we're doing now is we're beginning the leadership team work for making sure that those are properly revised, enhanced, restructured as necessary in preparation for kind of an August 1 soft launch. This was very prophetic, but back in January, February of 2020, they had worked with a company on a proposal for kind of a virtual academy for secondary only, but that would be run a little bit in the same vein as like Edgenuity, but with a higher quality, more Austin similar learning style process. And so we had that estimate, that price estimate. And so we reconnected with them about whether or not we were going to purchase a curriculum per se. And then we also put forth this kind of last minute idea that we would pull a few teachers at each grade band. And when you're a district with 5,000 teachers, that's not a huge hit compared to how it would have looked in one of my former districts. But pull a couple of two or three teachers per grade band per subject and be the designated teachers on special assignment to write the blend blueprint curriculum for the school year. So we took those two options with associated estimated costs to the district COVID crisis leadership team. These are two really good options. We really like the second option where we build it internally, but we can't afford to give you any teachers for it because we can't replace teachers at this point in the school year. And so we essentially reshuffled our entire academic coaching team and we built a structure for writing those internally on the academics team and kind of keeping us on task here. As you think about practice innovations in response to COVID, honestly, that's really the main headline for Austin Mm -hmm. is we took that day's meeting and caught our breath, (laughs) which took a minute. And we took our academic coaching team. We took our SEL coaches. We took our SPED coaches. We took our cultural proficiency and inclusion specialists. We took our creative learning specialists. And we, fortunately, we had the infrastructure to have those people at our disposal. And I realize that when I say that, not every district has that sort of people power, but we reorganized them 
And essentially, since we had been told not to go to campuses physically this year anyway, coaching was going to look very different, if at all. And so our academics team became the curriculum collaboration team, essentially. And we had to build a template that we could all work with. So they would have the same template. It became communicated through the school leadership office that we were all going to use Canvas Blend. And that was its own culture shock because they had not been quite so directive in the past. But in order for this to work, that had to be a non-negotiable. And so we're using Canvas pre-K to 12. And we supplement it with Seesaw at the primary grades, but we link the Seesaw things from the blend course. And the purpose of that is to make sure that a parent with a kid in kindergarten, third grade, eighth grade only has to learn one LMS primarily as the access point. And so throughout the whole process, we tried to put our, thankfully, I have several AISD parents on my team. And so they got to be parents and they got to be curriculum designers because they saw the end user experience as well. It has been a journey, quite a few bumps in the road, but we've taken basically, we call yearly, yearly planning guides is kind of the YPG acronym for our scope and sequence in Austin. And so everybody was used to getting the updated YPGs on August 1st and you know, back to school PD and all that. But essentially this year, the YPGs were completed and updated by around July 1. And we use those as the script, basically, for the unit development of the Blueprint online curriculum. I think the one PR miss that we had at the beginning, and granted, I can justify everything by saying that was in the season of the urgent, and that is that some teachers expressed dissatisfaction with the Blueprints because I think they were expecting them to be plug and play you know, this is what we do on Monday in first grade in every district, every campus in the city. And that was not what they were. They were built with really more content than a teacher needed. At first, we've kind of pared it back a little bit because we found some teachers that were literally assigning everything we put into them. And so I've kind of built this graphic and it's like a Venn diagram three ring circle where it's blend blueprints, it's teacher expertise and it's student needs. And where those three things come together, that's the sweet spot right? We give you the curriculum, you have your own expertise as well, and your kids bring something that's different from class to class. And so only if all three of those things or the degree to which those things are tightly aligned, are we really hitting the mark. And that's, again, something that we've been talking about a lot more, especially as we look toward next year, is in kind of our promotional materials and the way in which we market them, because then we won't be seeming to overpromise and underdeliver for someone who doesn't understand the nature of what we're trying to put together. The number of testimonials by teachers is really overwhelming. I'm so glad I had to do that for that little project because it just served like such a shot in the arm for me to literally cut and paste comment after comment after comment after comment that said, I never would have been able to get through this year if you had not done this for me. Because they were all in that like deer in the headlights, bug-eyed emoji kind of place, August 1st, especially if they weren't blend literate. And they had to learn to customize them. And they had to learn to set up their little homeroom bitmoji classroom or whatever they did. But they didn't have to think about where to find 75 resources that aligned with the scope and sequence and nest that into a course for their kids to see easily. We have SEL lessons and we have cultural proficiency lessons and we have creative teaching initiative lessons and structures. And so what our blueprint teams have done is all those people are in the same pod, if you will, cooking those lessons together. 
And so we've been able to bake in to the content we push all the stuff we value that Mm -hmm. they would have been having separate PD to try to figure out how to integrate, but we've been baking it in to the stuff we put forth as plan A instead of having it look like it's a bunch of stuff duct taped together. Prior to launching their blueprint work, Austin ISD had already begun to prioritize a set of essential standards to help combat quote-unquote learning loss, also known as unfinished learning. This work championed a new cohort of professional collaboration dedicated to the reframing of unfinished learning to better celebrate the successes students made over the past year and a half, rather than focusing on the deficits associated with missed classroom time. We're going to go back in and do some reevaluating of whether or not we kept the right standards or the right numbers of standards um, in this year's process. The state of Texas has already sort of built a hierarchy of standards. They call them readiness standards and supporting standards. Readiness being those in each grade level that are considered critical for readiness in the subsequent year. So they've prioritized those. They mainly did that prioritization based on state testing in that given year. And so I would say that there's a pretty high degree of overlap between the state's readiness standards and ours. But in some cases, there are some standards that we consider to be priority that may not be tested, but that still need to be elevated Mm -hmm. as integral. And so we called them essential texts. That was a key part and and continues to be a key part because one of the things that, um, that I heard you making reference to earlier was kind of this notion of learning loss and um, what districts are doing to figure out how to remedy that. Every time I say learning loss, I try to put it in air quotes mm-hmm. because I am very uncomfortable with that term because it's so connected to the assumption that anybody hasn't been in COVID, right? Like, yes, we've, we've lost learning compared to the trajectory we would have been on if the entire world hadn't been shut down. So yes, however... We have all been doing our best during the worst possible conditions to, number one, stay alive, and number two, take care of children. All that to say, I'm, I'm kind of touchy about that term and that process. I actually started a group that is kind of a multifaceted committee, and we're meeting now every Monday evening at 5, to, to begin reframing, quote-unquote, learning loss. Because I'm hearing that term so much now, I feel like it's going to become the cram curriculum down their throat plan when we all start coming back up for air and learning to breathe again for that, you know, frankly. And so I feel like there's going to need to be a lot of the word retraining is probably not the right word, but asking people to really reframe their thinking on that, starting with our board of trustees in the public, because I keep hearing it a lot. And granted, when you look at the scary statistics on how much loss in math and in reading achievement there have been, those numbers are daunting, right? But we also have kids that are coming to us with one-to-one learning skills, technological learning skills that in a million years, they would not have been able to master in a 13-month period. I was talking with a group of middle school teachers last week, actually related to our pilot with Learning Accelerator. And the the teachers are doing these grade interviews with the students and the students have to make a case for their grade that they've earned. And the teachers said, look, go back to your Jamboards, your Nearpods, your Google folders, all the things you've submitted in Blend and listed like two or three other things. And you can find the evidence in any of those tools that we've referenced. And I said, stop right there. I said, let's just take a minute to celebrate what you just said. 
Number one, that students have access. We were not one-to-one before COVID. All students have access to those devices. Number two, that they can tell you what Jamboard is and Nearpod is and, you know, blend submissions are. And the fact that that is now a common part of your process as a teacher. And then obviously the icing on the cake is that they can synthesize all of that and put it together to make a case for mastery of a standard that, that you've clearly articulated. That's huge, huge. And so that's what I mean by the reframing. Like that's the story that needs telling. So we aren't focused on all the things that we have quote unquote lost. And, and we have, right? Kids are in trauma. Parents are in trauma. As people get vaccinated, I'm, I'm hearing my friends and other people tell stories about literally the social adjustment that is necessary to get back into the world where you are face-to-face with people. I mean, I, I have family members who, because of health challenges, literally haven't left home since last March. But when you think about, and what I don't want to do, what we can't do, it's not that I don't want to, we literally cannot take kids out of a full year at home, put them back into a school setting where they feel like they are a failure from the minute they walk in the door. We have to celebrate their successes and find ways to reconnect as humans, because only there will their little brains be able to do the learning the supposed makeup learning or get back on that learning trajectory, probably more accurately stated, so that they can rejoin. We are driven by what have we checked off our list? That's driving the narrative of learning loss is what have we, which math units have we checked off our list? What have we mastered since March of 2020? And there are some things that we are definitely being slower to master right now. That doesn't indicate an absence of mastery of things. It's just that we're mastering different things right? Self-regulation, learning how to be, how to work at home, learning how to navigate technical difficulties when you don't have the tech helper to come to your classroom and reboot your computer. You know, there've been lots of things that we've all had to, as a society, get more creative about. And I think that depression will set in, or, or I think the damage will be done if we fail to give human beings credit for that. In the same vein as their new waves of professional collaboration, Austin ISD also leaned into remote collaboration as much as possible to maximize professional learning time. The only thing that I would add is the shifts in our work professionally. So for instance, I mean, I can confess to being trained in WebEx for the first time last February in my former district and thinking to myself, when would I ever need that? Because I go to meetings, right? Oh my gosh, like I think I need to go get my former CTO to like buy lottery tickets or something, or at least pick my stocks or something because yeah, he had set all that up last February and none of us knew we needed it. But now like I had a meeting with a group of principals last week at 8 a.m., right? School started at elementary at 7.35 or whatever it was. And so in order for them to be able to be in a room on Zoom at 8 a.m., they had to do all the health checks and everything before, you know, as kids were coming into the building, yada, yada meeting was able to start at eight. And we talked about whether or not we wanted to start meeting in person, either towards the end of the school year, beginning of next for this particular type of meeting that will continue. And they said, we will never go back to -to face-to-face because we have now just saved 45 minutes in Austin of drive time to get to, you know, headquarters. And we didn't have to not be at our campus, right? We still got to do all the check-ins And now we're having an efficient on-time meeting without that sort of inefficiency that we used to take for granted. 
So I'd call that one thing. Um, the other thing, and this is, they haven't been as popular as I wanted them to be yet, but I'm not giving up hope. I think the teachers have been too buried in, in the urgent to yet come up for air to the important. Um, and that is cross-district Zoom grade alike PLCs. We've started, we had an initiative um, to launch those in the fall because we knew that teachers were going to be their own best friends and advocates and co-planners during this time. Even given the blend blueprints we were creating, we thought that that would give folks the outlet to then talk about how they're customizing those or whatever. Um, we have found that there are some groups who may have been accustomed to physically meeting before the pandemic like librarian groups or pre-K groups that were kind of the singletons on campuses. And those have been successful because they already had those relationships and patterns. Um, many of the other grade levels have had a harder time doing that. And I think part of it is just desperation for time. But I also think this is, this is one of the underlying benefits to that whole 80% of the people are using our curriculum for the first time. And that is that this is, the, I mean, can you think about that for just a minute? The notion that 80% of the third graders, and granted, um, that's a lot of if-thens, but hypothetically, a large percentage of our third graders are using the same activities within the same week in a district with 80,000 students. That would not have happened. And so the fact that they're doing that and they weren't doing it before I think the practice is going to catch up with that fact because before, if they'd tried to collaborate around what we're doing for instruction this week, it would have been 80 different things. And now it's much tighter. It's a much tighter list because of that shared used curriculum resource. And so it's my hope that we can strengthen that, which will be part of that cyclical, like all of, if, if we strengthen that, then that promotes buy into the curriculum we're building. So it's a very recursive cycle. So um, I'm hopeful that we'll get there. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, nearly every school across the country had to quickly pivot to new models for teaching and learning in order to reach students in remote settings. Dealing with circumstances they never before experienced, Austin ISD focused on supporting students and teachers by providing instructional blueprints with prioritized standards to help guide instructional time and by prioritizing professional collaboration. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Accelerator's What Will We Take With Us Leadership Podcast Series. For more resources and leadership stories, visit hopskipleapfrog.org.